Welcome to the Shifting Our Schools podcast, where we believe learning never stops. We create innovative and flexible professional development opportunities that support the current research and thinking in education today. This week's podcast episode aspires to set you up to take another step forward on your personal learning journey. Now here's your host, Jeff Udick. Welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. I hope spring has sprung wherever you are, or fall for that matter. Here in Seattle, it's been crazy weather, like snow crazy. Snow in April in Seattle, it's nuts. I hope the real spring returns soon. At least there is baseball to watch, the real sign of spring in my book. A couple of shout outs before we get started today. First off, a shout out to our sponsor, Teacher Wit. Teacher Wit is creating an inspiring community of educators. Joining this community is free, and when you do so, you get access to live events like the Using Portfolios as an Assessment for Learning that I'll be doing on April 19th, or the What If interview with Katie Martin earlier this month. Of course, they are all recorded, so you can go back and watch them at your convenience. All you need to do is join this great community of educators looking to improve their practice. Thank you to Teacher Wit for being a sponsor of the Shifting Our Schools podcast. Teacher Wit, creating an inspiring community of educators. Also, just a reminder, now is a good time to get me on your calendar for any upcoming PD days or conferences you might have coming up. You can reach out to me on my website, jeffudick.com or through shiftingschools.com or book a 30-minute chat with me in the show notes via the calendar link. We can chat about your vision for your upcoming days and how I can help and support educators in your organization. All right. As many of you know, I helped to start the Learning 2 conference back in 2007 when I was a teacher at Shanghai American School. At the time, we really thought it would be a one-off conference. I don't think any of us would have thought back then that it would still be going strong today and that it would be held at multiple continents and that it would become its own nonprofit organization. We were just a bunch of geeky teachers wanting to support other teachers in using technology in purposeful and meaningful ways in the classroom. I have so many amazing memories from the Learning 2 conferences over the years. There was a first one we held in Africa at the International Community School in Addis Ababa, Ethiopia, where our swag was a safari vest. Or the one we held in Johannesburg, South Africa, that included a social event at a game park. Of course, there was Beijing, the first one that we held outside of Shanghai. And again, we didn't know if people would attend. And then, of course, Singapore, Manila, in the Philippines. There was the last one I attended in person in Luxembourg that was just plain inspiring. One of my favorite parts about Learning 2 is that it is built on the understanding that being social is where real learning happens. And so the social events are just as big, if not a bigger part of the conference than any other part. I point this out because it was at a social event at the conference in Milan, Italy, that I remember talking to Trisha Friedman. She had just finished her Learn to Talk, and we were wrapping up and celebrating another successful conference. We were able to chat for a while over a drink about our Learning to experience and the conference overall. That was in 2016. Trisha and I reconnected in 2020 through Shifting Schools, and today she's a large part of what Shifting Schools has become. Just look at the 60 plus free PDFs she's created on the free resource page. It's crazy to think the last time we were within the same physical space with each other was in Milan, Italy in 2016. Yet today, we work closely together on all things shifting schools. 
Because Trisha doesn't have enough going on with her own QueerWisdom.com brand, helping all of us be more inclusive of our LBGTQ plus students and community, or her own podcast, AllyEd.org, or the work she does on behalf of Shifting Schools, or, you know, her day job, she started a podcast for Learning Too to highlight the community that is Learning Too and to catch up with educators who, over the years, have given Learn Too talks at the conference. Today, I'm sharing with you the episode she put together interviewing me about what Learning Too has meant to me both personally and professionally through the years. On April 23rd, Learning Too will hold its 20th conference in 15 years. Because much of Asia is still locked down right now due to COVID, the conference will be virtual, and we're all crossing our fingers for the last time. But this also gives us all access to this incredible opportunity to connect with other educators from around the world and make those connections that you just never know where they'll lead. I hope you enjoy this Learning To episode created and produced by Trisha Friedman on the Learning To podcast channel. And with that, on with the show. Welcome to the Learning To podcast, the podcast about the Learning To global events, a conference for teachers by teachers. On this podcast, you will enjoy stories about Learning To, as well as core reflections on the many learnings that have resulted from our events. Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Learning To Podcast. My name is Trisha Friedman. My pronouns are she, her, and hers. This episode has Jeff Udick, a pretty world-renowned educator, and also one of the people who was behind the vision for Learning To right from the very start. In the show notes, you can learn more about Jeff, about his organization, Shifting Schools. Uh, that is shiftingschools.com. And you'll also find the link to Jeff's podcast if you would like to hear more from him. Before we begin um, our conversation, we're going to listen to a clip of one of many of Jeff's Learning Two Talks. Enjoy. Well, thank you for being here. Um, it's always a pleasure. Uh, this year, they've asked if I would uh, just kind of take you through this being the 10-year anniversary of uh, the 10 years of Learning Two. And so we're going to start back in 2007. Uh, where this whole thing started. And most people, when you think of 2007, probably remember this big announcement, uh, the year of the iPhone. Uh, but in international worlds, we remember this big announcement, <laughs> uh, the first year of Learning 2. And Learning 2 was really a, a crazy idea uh, between uh, John Zerflu and Michael Weber at the time, who worked at SCIS here in Shanghai and uh, Concordia International School. And the idea was, is what if we could bring the three schools together to have some kind of collaborative conference? And they sent out um, an email to a bunch of us. I was working here on the Pushi campus at the time in Shanghai, along with David Gran, who I roped into making our first logos. And so for the first couple of conferences, the three schools came together as a way of how do we share resources in this new digital world we find ourselves in? And so in 2007, we launched the first Learning 2. We didn't know if anybody would show up. Um, I remember there was one meeting where we were literally counting how much money we had in the bank account to cover the costs of the conference in case nobody showed up. Uh, but it was quite interesting because people actually did. And then we got scared because it meant we had to do something. And so 
when we started this conference, one of the first things that we started thinking about is how do you create a conference experience that puts the participant first? We were finding that a lot of the conferences we were going to were the same old 50-minute session, sit-and-get session, and we keep telling ourselves as educators that we want student-centered learning. Well, if you're going to have student-centered learning, what if you made a student-centered conference or a participant-driven conference? And so when we started this in 2007, that was the idea. That has always been the driving force of Learning 2, is how do we make you as involved as possible in the conference itself? And the first conference was quite interesting. In 2007, Twitter was unblocked here in Shanghai, and we made, a we made everybody sign up for a Twitter account. And I still run into international teachers today. Are there any in the crowd that set up their Twitter account at the first Learning 2? Yeah, there's a couple of you out there. Like, we... And I still get people come to me, it's like, I had, we had no idea what Twitter was at the time. And you need to remember that the iPhone had just been announced like a month before the conference. Nobody had smartphones. And so we were on the internet, on Twitter, on our, on our laptops, and on our flip phones. Because that's what Twitter started out as, is was a way to do group message on a flip phone. And so we made everybody sign up for Twitter that first year and ran the entire conference off of Twitter getting feedback from participants along the way. At the end of the conference, we had a big celebration. This is the, probably the only picture we have uh, because, you know, we didn't have phones in, on cameras, or cameras on phones, sorry, at the time. But uh, this is the end of the conference. That's Mr. John Zerflu right there. And we've got the rest of the crew here. Uh, there's, uh, I don't even know who these people are. There's Simon May. We're going to talk a lot about Simon May. There's Michael Weber. There's David Grant. Uh, and just kind of the crew that kind of first put that first conference together. And as soon as the conference was over, we were like, oh my gosh, what just happened? And I remember it was about a week later, we got together and we sat in a room and we we're like, well, do we run it again? And we were so exhausted. We're all full-time educators at the time. And we were like, do we actually try and pull this off again? And uh, we finally decided we would. And so then in 2008, uh, David Grant made this uh, nice logo for us, and we started the entire thing. And we tried to start thinking about how do we continue to put the participant needs first and understand that learning is a social act. That when we went to conferences, we realized that the conversations we had in the hallways were some of the best conversations you had at conferences. And how do we take those conversations you have in the hallways and make that the conference itself? And so in 2008, we came up with a crazy idea that would put the participant first and make the entire conference social by running the whole thing as an unconference. The entire conference was ran by participants. So this is Julie Lindsay, who is running sessions here, uh, putting on one of her uh, global collaboration. We hung them all up on the wall, and you would go to an unconference session. You would come back. You, we would have new things posted up on the, on the windows. You would then tally mark which one you would want to vote for next and we would create an entirely driven, participant-driven conference. A couple things came out of that conference. One, a group of educators from Hong Kong got together and decided that they wanted to do a conference much like this in Hong Kong. That conference is still running today. And other conversations around what does technology look like when there's no facilitator. And so after the conference, it led to crazy things like this. And we had people getting on stage, dressed up in all kinds of crazy gear, trying to promote their unconference sessions, giving speeches about their unconference sessions. And it was this really organic, participant-driven conference. And we knew at that point that the unconference format needed to become part of this conference. And from that, from 2008 forward, unconferences have always been a big piece. But unconferences only work when the participants decide to tell us 
what it is you want to learn. That is why voting for things, telling us what you want, is what makes the unconference. It's your conference. And we find it very interesting that participants have a hard time understanding a conference that you're the center of. You're not going to sit and get at this conference. You're not going to be in one-hour sessions, right? We are here for you. What you put into this conference is what you will get out of it. To hear the rest of that talk, head over to the show notes. But now we're going to turn things over um, to present day. And Jeff, we would love to hear from you as you look back on the history of Learning 2. And you recently presented um, in their uh, 2021 virtual event last fall. As you look back, what's the one thing that really surprises you about Learning 2 and where it is today? Thinking back to how it all began and where Learning 2 is today, I think the thing that surprises me the most is a willingness of educators to continue to pick up the oar, jump in the boat, and keep learning to moving forward. Anyone who has worked for learning to in any capacity knows we don't pay a lot, if anything, for the work that educators do to make learning to happen. It's created by passionate educators who feel a connection to learning to that keeps it working. It was started as a conference by teachers for teachers, and still today, it is teachers who oversee, organize and put it all together year after year. Jeff, you've given multiple learning two talks and some of your learning two talks are the most viewed ever. I'm wondering if you could give us a look behind the curtain and talk to us about your process, how you go about developing one of those talks. I owe so much to learning two in helping to hone my presentation skills. The first time I ever keynoted a conference was at learning two in 2008 When one of the guest speakers we were flying in didn't make it there in time, it was a true honor to be able to talk at that conference, and that really was the starting of my consulting business. My process for giving a Learn to Talk, which back in the day they were just keynotes still, but we kind of turned them into Learn to Talks over the same, is, is part of the same process I use to still create my keynotes today. I start by working offline in a notebook, a bubble catcher, if you will and see Sam Schrott's 2014 Learn to Talk for that idea. I map out the story I want to tell, the points I want to make. I will even write notes about what images I want to go with the story. I'll have the presentation about three quarters of the way complete before I start putting it into Keynote or PowerPoint. From there, the story starts to come together and morphs as I begin to create it. Each Learn to Talk I have done has been awesome as each one has pushed me to think differently and find a way to communicate the story I'm trying to tell. I think one of my favorites as far as putting together was the one I did in 2015 in Manila at the end of the conference. I titled it Party Like 1985, Teach Like 2015 where I use the idea of Back to the Future movie in which Marty and Doc go into the future and land in 2015 as the foundation for the talk on how fast technology changes our lives. I know, uh, as you've shared already, Learning 2 has played a big part um, in your career trajectory, and I'm really curious to hear how some of the really the values of Learning 2 continue to show up in the work that you're doing um, and have been doing. When we were turning Learning 2 into a nonprofit organization of its own, we had to come up with a mission statement and values for the paperwork to get filed. And I think the mission statement and the values that we came up with very much are my own personal professional attitudes towards education today. The mission of Learning 2 is to innovate social learning globally. 
Or today, I rephrase that as saying, how do I make the world my curriculum? And the four values that drive the conference still today, value number one, create a conference experience that puts the participant first. Value two, understand that learning is a social act and make social a key part of the conference. Number three, create a conference that continues to change with the needs of participants. And finally, number four, create a conference that is ever-changing, takes risks, and uses technology appropriately in the learning process. Those four core values are how I run my professional and personal life today, to put others' experiences before my own, to understand that learning is social, and to make social a key part of any and all trainings that I do to continue to change to meet the needs of educators and organizations, and to remember to take risks and not be afraid to try something new, something different. I remember in 2008, we actually made everybody sign up for a Twitter account. Twitter was, I think, like a year old at the time. And I remember the opening ceremony was literally having everybody in the audience sign up for a Twitter account. It was a huge risk that we took. And still today, I meet people that were at that conference. And the one thing they remember is like, hey, that's when I set up my Twitter account. It's it's things like that that I think make learning too different. It's the risk-taking, this idea that there's technology ever-changing and how are we going to use it in multiple different ways. And to me, that's truly the power of learning too, is this ability to take risks and make learning social. So Jeff, I know, um, like me, you're looking forward to the upcoming Learning 2 virtual event that's happening this April, April 23rd. Listeners, uh, if you head over to the show notes, you can learn all about that. But Jeff, I'm wondering, um, again, we're, we're excited about that event, but this episode is also about looking back. So what is a Learning 2 highlight that you know will always, always stick with you. As I think back on all the learning twos that I've been a part of, I think the highlights and just the awe-inspiring power that sticks with me and continues to learning two after learning two is this idea that educators come together to form a real community. At the beginning, I talked about how educators just keep picking up the oars and keep learning two moving forward. That only happens when you have a community that believes in the power of this type of learning, a community who they themselves have empowered by their own learning to experiences. Once you are a part of learning to, whether it is as a speaker, a cohort leader, or a participant, you are part of a larger community of educators who've experienced the same learning journey. And you soon realize that you travel around meeting others And talk soon turns to, so which learning two did you go to? That's the power of community. That's the power of this conference and making social the center of the learning experience. Jeff, thank you so much for sharing your insight on the show with listeners. If you would like to hear more from Jeff Udick, head over to the show notes where you're going to find his podcast, the link to shiftingschools.com, as well as the link to the learning to talk that you heard at the start of this episode. A reminder, registrations are filling up fast for the April event, and we're keeping cohort size small. Um, That is intentional by design. As Jeff said, community really matters to learning too, and we want to make sure that participants have that community-driven experience. 
even at our virtual event. So head over to the show notes, learn more about the April 23rd event. Thanks as always for listening.